Memorial Stadium. Since 1962. Since 1962. A sellout crowd. A sellout crowd. All sold out. Hey, we sold out, but we still saved you a seat. Priscilla with Mitch Sherman and Max Olsen. Hey there, and welcome to The Sellouts, a podcast about Nebraska football. I'm Mitch Sherman. I cover Nebraska for The Athletic. Max Olson, as always, is with me. He covers college football nationally for The Athletic. This is Season 1, Episode 2. That means, Max, that we made it through our first show. Hard we, as that may be. We have not been canceled. We have not. Hard as that may be for some people to believe. We <laughs> want to thank everybody who listened to our debut podcast and hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did recording it. Today, as we get into our Friday episode, we are one day from the season opener at Nebraska. We're going to discuss the suspensions of two young offensive players for the Huskers, a surprise as the middle of this week unfolded. We'll talk about a story that I wrote that's out today on the Athletic site and app about that crazy night one year ago as Nebraska tried and failed to open the Scott Frost era against Akron. Uh, A few superlatives for the Huskers in 2019, some predictions for the season opener. And if we have time, if we get to it, please listen to the entire show. I have a bonus item at the end that I will discuss. So... Let's get started. Full episode. That's plenty. Yes, it is a full episode. Um, let's talk about Katarian Legrone and Andre Hunt and what is going on there. Two redshirt freshmen, both expected to compete for time in the Nebraska offense this season. And on Wednesday, Troy Walters, the offensive coordinator, came out and announced that both were suspended indefinitely. And even today into Thursday, No explanation given by Scott Frost. They are not taking part in football activities. This is uh, not a great development to kick off to kick off year two of the of the Frost regime, Max. Yeah, you know it's interesting that the depth chart comes out on Monday, and I don't know that we necessarily would have noticed Katarian Legrone, you know, not being one of the top three tight ends. But um, I think I think the Andre Hunt thing sort of flew under the radar. I think some people noticed it. But it did. You, you and I looking at the depth chart, we didn't necessarily notice that and say, uh, you know, who, who's missing here. But uh, it's interesting. You, you talked to Walters, you know, recently about Andre Hunt, right? I mean, I think it seemed like they it, it made this seem kind of sudden because they seemed pretty bullish on him uh, not too long ago. Yeah, I talked to Troy Walters last Wednesday about Andre Hunt, and I was preparing a a story that came out on Friday on The Athletic about the projected depth chart. We were just three days ahead of the official release, and I I asked Coach Walters about receivers who had continued to up their stock in in August and preseason camp, and Andre Hunt was one of the first names that he mentioned. So these problems that arose, at least with Hunt, are are very recent. Um, This is something that, that clearly occurred after Wednesday of last week, um, Katarian Legrone, yes, not not as as significant of a an absence from the depth chart. I don't know that Katarian Legrone would have been on the depth chart. Nebraska had three tight ends listed on the depth chart that came out th- this week, and uh, Legrone is pro- was probably set to be number four in that group, but still somebody who would have played. And, and he brings he, he brings something a little bit different to that tight end group and that he's more of a transformed wide receiver, um, the kind of guy who I think will be featured prominently in in, in this offense in years to come. The, the, the tight ends who were holdovers from the Mike Riley era 
um, are, are more of of the the blocking types. Although right. I think Austin Allen certainly does bring something a, as a receiver. So no Legron, no Hunt this Saturday against South Alabama. Probably not uh, absences that that will hurt the Huskers in the opener. No, probably not. Um, I, I think they're deep enough at wideout that it just creates. Uh, more opportunity. And I think we'll see, uh, uh, probably we'll see a lot of guys catching balls um, this weekend beyond just JD Spielman and uh, you know, Wondell Robinson and kind of, I know, uh, I think they're, they're deep enough there. They can get through this, but yeah, certainly hunt seemed like somebody who was, who was pushing, who had, who had made some progress there. And, and uh, certainly the indefinite nature of, of, and, and kind of the, the, the silence around this makes you, think they're probably not counting on having them anytime soon so uh curious to see how they uh adjust to that um you know you you, you went on thursday morning uh to post practice uh, scott frost spoke uh, any update on maurice washington um the update is that there's no update so maurice washington is going to seemingly go into the the game on saturday 11 a.m central as a a um a game time decision. I mean, this is, this is as strange as it gets. I mean, it's like he has a twisted ankle and you know, the reality is that, that he's facing a felony charge in California. And this is, it's the same case that, that Nebraska has been, has been dealing with for the last nine months with, with, without a whole lot of change. So we got into that quite a bit in our, in our, in our Tuesday episode. Um, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot more to add about Maurice Washington, other than that the the strangeness of this continues as as the silence is extended on on Nebraska's side of it. Um, everybody is going to find out, I think, by some point in the first quarter. Well, certainly, if you see Maurice Washington on the field to receive the opening kickoff or to play in Nebraska's opening offensive drive, then you know your answer to to his status. Right. If you um, if you don't, you may have to wait a bit to find out if he's not going to play. I, you know, I, I get the sense the one thing that was reinforced even more uh, on Thursday from Frost is that this is a decision that that is out of his hands, or at least largely out of his hands. They're waiting mm-hmm. on someone from a higher up level in the university administration to tell the football program if he's going to be allowed to suit up for this game. Yeah, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, there's. Uh, it, there's a lot of parties involved uh, in this one who who are going to have some say on uh, how this looks, and certainly if they decide to play him on Saturday, then they're going to have to have uh, they're going to have to be pretty prepared to answer for that. Yeah, there will be questions. There will be questions either way. Probably a lot more questions on Saturday after the game if if Washington is 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 in action. So let's move on to a story that came out this morning on The Athletic, and I've been working on this for, oh, the better part of the last month, interviewing people who were involved in the the postponement, the, the, the cancellation, uh, first the postponement and then the cancellation of Nebraska's season opener a year ago against Akron. And if you were in the stadium or if you were not in the stadium and you were watching on TV on Fox, I think everybody remembers the emotional tunnel walk followed by the kickoff, followed by Butch Hug, Nebraska's now former associate athletic director for events, running onto the field to cease the game. And then the the uh, party atmosphere in the stadium and the, and the torrential downpour that followed around nine o'clock. So um, Max, you've had a chance to, to read the story. What, what, um, you know, what did you take away from, from remembering uh, the opener that never happened a year ago? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't in the stadium that day and I imagine for a lot of people that were, it's kind of like, 
it's almost one of those cult things like like no sit Sunday where you know you're all I think everyone's going to kind of remember where they were for that and and their experience and how how different it was and and I think you did a great job of um, covering I, I think uh, it's just such a it's a it's a fascinating thing when you think about in that stadium like how many people uh, have to get their ducks in a row when those things happen and I've sat through. Uh, games that had two, three hour, uh, you know, weather delays. I haven't been to a game that was outright canceled like that. Um, but it was, it was fun to, to read through, um, kind of the logistics of how that works. And then, um, certainly the, I think to me, one of the highlights of the piece, pieces is, is, uh, your, your discussion with, uh, the athletic director from Akron and kind of, uh, their perspective. Obviously, uh, they were the the very un, unpopular around here uh, when this kind of hit the fan. Yeah, you know, I understand. And to get a little bit more into that, we won't go too deep into the weeds, but Akron and athletic director Larry Williams made the unpopular decision, as, as you referenced, to basically say no. You know, they're going to pull the plug. Nebraska wanted to move that game to Sunday morning, and it was, it was announced at one point very, very quickly after 10 p.m., that the game would be played on Sunday morning at 10:30 and kick off on FS1 and 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 it, it was I thought it was it was amusing to hear from the Fox producer on site about that moment um, they had no idea or at least right. he says they had no idea that 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 uh, that thing had been had been scheduled again or rescheduled for for Sunday well um, and I just remember following it on Twitter uh you know from afar and and it's at 1 minute it is Oh wow! They uh, just—they're uh, going to reschedule it. They're going to play it tomorrow. That'll be pretty cool. And then, seemingly like minutes later, like, oh, whoops! Akron got on the plane and they left. Yeah, they—they they said <laughs> we're getting out of here. Akron looked into some hotels in Omaha. They had checked out of their hotel the night before, so there was nowhere for them to stay. Um, they, they couldn't go back to their hotels. They had some options, but really would have been working on about five hours of sleep. And Nebraska wanted to put Akron in the dorms, which was which was comical, actually insulting uh, to, to Akron. And that was the interesting quote from from Larry Williams, the AD. At yeah, Akron. you got you got to read that quote. It's too good. He was a little he he felt disrespected. He said, you know, we're not uh, basically we're not pawns in your little Scott Frost unveiling. So we're here to win. And no, thank you. We're not going to stay in the dorm rooms. But Nebraska, uh, one thing that we we uncovered was that Nebraska had sent some staffers out to Walmart to buy bedding for Akron. And uh, I won't spoil the entire story. But um, another thing about you know, it, like what kind of thread count you think they're shopping for there on, in, on I mean, short notice they, too? You know, could they go to Target? I mean, really? I mean, Target, really? Tar- Target was I, probably I understand a- it's late at night. Bed Bath and Beyond's not open, but I mean, what kind of what kind of cheap thread count are they trying to get for these dorms for Akron? Couldn't they have shown know. them like a little bit more respect uh, on short notice there with, the, with their their dorm their empty dorm room bedding? Huh? It was clearly a ploy to try to pre- to uh, prevent Akron from getting a good night's sleep and and uh, have Nebraska get a leg up on the Sunday morning kickoff. The Walmart uh, the Walmart bedding was well, um, well, and I, it's such a it's such a fascinating like problem too because I, you know it's something you don't really run into very often of you know when these. Like when these things go wrong, um, like what what does the contract even say for like who who's the boss in this situation, right? Is it is Nebraska saying no? Uh, you have to stay. We're gonna play this game. We have an agreement. We're gonna do it. Uh, you know, by any means necessary. Uh, and, and we ultimately found there that Akron just said uh, we'll bail and we'll figure out the money later. I guess that's ex- yeah, that's exactly what happened. And Akron ended up ended up getting six hundred and fifty thousand. 
for the for for the, the trip to for Lincoln. the troubles. The, yeah, yeah, and that was not that, that was not ironed out until December, and it came with a, uh, a, a another game. They're going to come back to Nebraska and play. Uh, weather permitting in September of of 2025. So, and I and I'm a I'm kind of a weather nerd. Um, I really enjoyed talking. I, I talked to, I interviewed a couple of meteorologists for this story, and and then I talked to some people at the National Weather Service who aren't quoted in in the story, just to get a true sense of what the radar looked like that night at 7:13 p.m. when the game kicked off, and that first lightning strike that that caused a delay it ended up being the, the the only delay. I mean, every 30 minutes or less, there was there was more lightning that prevented the teams from from coming back out onto the field. But it was really interesting, and if you like the stuff about the way thunderstorms build up through the through the plains uh, of America, I got I got pretty deep in into <laughs> you, you nerded uh, out on that. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was it was fun. Also, a little nugget that that is not in the story is um, the suggestion from Akron AD Larry Williams that Nebraska was was interested in rescheduling that game for December first, but then pulled the plug on that idea after Akron went in week three to Northwestern and beat the Wildcats uh, in Northwestern. And, and that that you know I didn't write he, about he thinks that. That Nebraska wanted no part of Akron after that. I, I, that that was his suggestion to me, and and I, I didn't wow. go back to Nebraska and get and get uh, get details on that, get confirmation. So that's uh, that's sure. unconfirmed. That's that's uh, that's all from the Akron side, but it does somewhat line up with the timetable that Nebraska used to schedule Bethune Cookman. It was about two or three weeks after the Akron cancellation mm-hmm. when the Huskers said, "Hey." We don't want to schedule a game on December 1st against Akron because that is the date of the Big Ten championship game. And we don't want to send this message to our players that there's another game scheduled on that day. So instead of playing Akron on December 1st, we found Bethune-Cookman, this FCS school. And and that ended up being, of course, Nebraska's second win of the season after – an zero and six start. So just another little twist. P- please go and uh, and check out that story uh, if you haven't. It's an entertaining read and and something to get you fired up uh, as as the season begins. Well, one on of my Saturday. one of my favorite details on that. Real quick before we wrap up on that, um, I love you. You you found this out. They still uh, had a real real solid night uh, from a concession standpoint. Almost as yes. if they'd played the game. Yes, Nebraska sells. On an average game, and this was maybe slightly above average or right about average on concession sales, sales September 1st of 2018, 20,000 slices of Valentino's pizza, 14,000 runs of sandwiches, and 12,000 hot dogs. All the popcorn and the pizza is cooked right there at Memorial Stadium. And the right. Pepsi in bottles is kept cold for several days before any home game. So if a game had been rescheduled on Sunday... They would have been in some trouble uh, as far as the concessions. There would have been some hungry fans leaving <laughs> on Sunday on Sunday afternoon. Nebraska said it, they would have had hot dogs to sell, but only 500 buns left in the stadium. So I don't yeah, know how that would have been. That would have been, been just utter madness. But I, I love that that even though it's um, even though that those hot dogs and and runzas and slices of pizza were all probably incredibly soggy, they they just still sold out from people just waiting hoping that the game was still played, you know? And I think that's, <laughs> I think that kind of, in, in some ways that kind of captures the the magic of that night that everyone was like, oh, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to miss Scott Frost's first game here, you know? Well, right, I mean, what right. was, that, what was I, that like for, obviously I wasn't in the building. So what, what was that like for you, um, you know, being there reporting from that game? 
Well, there was just a lot of uncertainty. And I think people wondered where Bill Moose was. And actually, Larry Williams wondered where Bill Moose was for a period of that game, too. He wanted to get together with Nebraska's AD and, and discuss contingencies. And it, it seemed to be Moose's plan, at least for the first hour or so, just to wait and see what might happen with the weather. And, and Nebraska did tell me on, on the back end of this thing, as did Akron, that because of the way this went, they that both schools reviewed their policies and their procedures and the way that they will approach delays in the future. And, and I think one of the things that Nebraska would want to do is, is start to act a little quicker. I, interesting, interestingly, the Nebraska football staff, I think, had a better idea of how to react to this situation because they had been through delays at UCF, had two games canceled in the in the two years prior because of hurricanes. Yeah, that's true. And then, a, and yeah. then a, a game at Cincinnati that uh, encountered a, a delay in the second half and, and was was just called off at that point. So they'd been through it, but Nebraska had not. Nebraska had had a 19-minute had a delay against Utah State in 1991, and, and, and then nothing. There, there, there was a game in 1943 canceled yeah, because of World War II oh travel restrictions, but um, – Nothing as far that this was the first cancellation because of weather in school history. So, um, you know, that's uh, just a lot of interesting, interesting things in in that piece. Do do you believe that that like do you kind of buy that kind of like you can kind of go down that rabbit hole of revisionist history of like okay if they get that game they say they play that 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 entire game you kind of work out the jitters all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like um, you know? Maybe the Martinez injury aside, like you feel like that non-conference slate goes maybe a lot differently. Yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I mean, you right. don't know. I I think it's easy to look at that and say they would have won that Akron game. I, I'm not entirely sure, having seen Akron early in the year and, and seen Nebraska early in the year. And then if they did win, then you know you don't lose to Colorado the next week, and Adrian Martinez is healthy, and then you beat Troy. Um, they weren't going to beat Michigan, but I mean, if they were three and zero going to Michigan, you know, I think the season has a has a different complexion. I, you know, I, I talked to Tim Brando, the Fox broadcaster, for this piece, and he's very high on Scott Frost and has been high on Scott Frost since b- well before e- even that game was 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 canceled. And you know, it was his belief, and, and he said it that hey, they would have beat Colorado um, if they had beaten Akron. And I think, but it's it's just it's hard to know how things would have happened. Ak- Akron too felt like. That game, not playing that game, had some ramifications that were negative on its season. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more difficult to, to see the way that played out, and I don't know that our audience cares about uh, what <laughs> Akron's season and the way that it went and fell apart and cost well, Terry Bowden's job. Short, they at fired the end their of the coach, year. so they it did. was a rough they fired year. Their coach, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, lots of ways, lots of ways to go with that. Lots of little little storylines in there. Yep, that's right. We're selling out and doing a promo. However, it's for another show on The Athletic. Regrettably, it's Michigan. But our Wolverines podcast, Run Pass Michigan, or RPM, hosted by Nick Baumgartner and Austin Meek, provides the best insight into Michigan football, and it's from an analytics perspective. Nick and Austin know their numbers. Well, at least they can count to two because that's the number of episodes they post each week. So if you want more Big Ten football insight, then check out Run Past Michigan. Follow the show on the Athletic app or website for updates when new episodes release. Let's get back to it. Uh, we want to get to get to some some superlatives for Nebraska. I guess is is the way we want to put it um, as the as the the, the season opener a- approaches. And 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 Max, I'll you know I'll ask you. As we as we get to get to game week or well into game week, 
who do you who do you feel is Nebraska's most impactful newcomer this year? What, what's your what's your call? We will mark this down and then come back in December and check. So there's some real there's some real accountability here. Like my my integrity, my expertise is is uh, in jeopardy here. It is. You you have to get this right. And if you say someone who ends up redshirting, then you know you're off. You're you're, you're we're, we're we're not even going to ask you this, these kind of questions anymore. There's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, I thought about it. I mean, <laughs> to the staff's credit, like they've brought in so many newcomers who 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 I think probably need to have uh, impactful roles. I'm gonna say Diedrich Mills, and, and it's interesting because like I feel like maybe <laughs> maybe in the past like I, I could have talked myself into like Greg Bell being that kind of guy, and, and he just wasn't really the guy they were looking for there. Yeah, you would have been um, wrong on that. Yeah, I think that would have been a wrong guess. I think probably. Um, I think this one's different. I think I think Mills, um, as we talked about in the last podcast, like I just love that dude's confidence and the fact that he, you know, after kind of uh, his 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 travels through his career to get to Lincoln, uh, it seems like a very motivated dude and a very confident dude, uh, and one who, just when you look at that 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 running back room, um, certainly they're not lacking for guys that can can uh, bust long runs, but. You know, to have a 220 pound back that you feel like can kind of be the workhorse guy for your offense uh, and take some pressure off Martinez and um, you just give them a different look. I, I think it's a really exciting piece for them. And I think even if, uh, you know, even if Maurice Washington is in some ways the feature back here, if he if he's with this team for the season, I still feel like Mills is going to get his and, and have a have a tremendous year. So that that would be my. Uh, that'd be my pick. Who who are you leaning towards? I think that's a good choice. He's not going to redshirt. I can tell you that because he's already redshirted once in his career in junior yeah. college. So um, I'm I'm going to go with Darian Daniels. I, I think uh, you know he's kind of the the Martinez of the defense. Um, although Mo Berry, I think would would argue that and and maybe <laughs> argue it well. Um, from a from an, an he, he is an will be an emotional leader for the defense this year. Darian Daniels, the grad transfer from Oklahoma State. Um, being voted a captain when he's only been on campus for a few months. I think he solidifies the defensive line for Nebraska and, and turns that group into the strongest part of a defense that has to be a lot different, especially in its ability to stop the run. And at 340 pounds, clogging up the middle there, I think he's going to help Nebraska do that, help them stop the run, help them force teams into making throws that are uncomfortable, which is going to lead to potentially some turnovers and, and, and then fixing what what is just been a huge problem for Nebraska for the last generation um, in in, uh, in losing losing the turnover battle consistently. So I think Daniels can be can be big in in that one. Um, also, want to ask your team MVP other than the obvious candidate, Adrian Martinez. So a team MVP other than the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a cop out because I, I couldn't ultimately kind of pick one. I, I looked at the defensive side and um, like, you could look at that. You can ask that question of MVP kind of a bunch of different ways. Cause I think if you're talking about like, who's the guy they can afford to lose least, like other than Martinez, like there's a couple interesting choices there. Um, but I'll say like, I, I just think it's the leadership on defense. I, I think you could say it's Muhammad Barry. You could say it's mm-hmm. um, Lamar Jackson. You could even throw Darian Daniels into that mix. Absolutely. Just I think how how those guys kind of set the tone uh, for their confidence level and the way they attack teams defensively. I think is so important. That, you know they can they could feel the lineup um, where they've got ten or, or even sometimes eleven upperclassmen on the field, um, and I think that's going to make a a, a a big difference uh, this year. But 
now that those guys get what Eric Chenander wants to do, now that they they kind of have a lot better sense of you know playing with uh, no fear of failure. Like I I just think kind of who are the leaders in that room, um, and and can they give this group I I don't know kind of a consistent mentality so they're not kind of up and down. Um, and, and, you know, giving up a lot of busts and, and making these games maybe closer than they should be. I think it's the, the leadership on defense, whoever kind of takes that crown in the end. Um, so I, I, I know will, I'm kind of cheating there. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I will sweet, short and sweet say it's JD Spielman. I, I think he impacts the game in a ton of ways as a receiver. Of course, he's going to be on, on returns and I think he's going to get more involved in the running game, which, which seems a little bit strange, but I, I think Nebraska offensively is going to be more innovative this year. Do some of the things that you saw Scott Frost do at UCF in 2017, and that, and that means getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers in, in whatever way they, they possibly can. I think Martinez is so much more comfortable now in this offense that they will um, they will find ways that are not that your, your traditional method to get the ball to to Spielman, and I, he's my MVP other than other than Adrian, of course. So yeah. la- last one yeah, on this fair. list, last one on this list is the 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 toughest road game of the season. Um, of course, road games this year to refresh your memory are Colorado, Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue, and Maryland. So what do you got? Yeah. You think like, do you think that coach Frost is like losing a lot of sleep over those road games overall? (laughs) Not this week. Next week he will be. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, the the truth is like I mean definitely there's a, a pretty good case for Colorado just considering this team is still kind of working things out but I would say overall like I lean towards Minnesota um, just because I, I, that could uh, potentially end up being a, a game that has a lot of implications if Nebraska is going to be in the mix uh, to win the division um, you know Minnesota went five and two at home last season um, I think there you, there's been a little bit of buzz around them as a team that that might be, you know, poised to to rise up in this division. And so I think uh I think that that one has a chance to be pretty fun and 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 you know per, Purdue maybe for a different reason. I feel like you know because that's a November game, maybe it's a little colder weather, maybe it's a little more slowed down game, which kind of hurts both teams honestly, but um I I went Minnesota over Purdue. What do you, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to say Colorado. And we'll get a lot more into this next week, but I think that game is just is just so significant for for uh, for things that happen throughout, not just September, but in, in setting the tone for for the entire season. Now, I didn't say most important road game; I said toughest road game. And is Colorado really going to be more difficult than Minnesota or Purdue? Eh, that's probably debatable. But I, I think toughest just from the mental aspect that Nebraska has yet to go on the road and win a game away from Lincoln under this coaching staff. So the first time you do it. Or the first time you, you you know you have to get over that hill. I, I think mentally the block is still there a little bit, and if things go against Nebraska next week in Boulder, um, there may be some doubt that creeps into their mind that 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 uh, that may not be the case when they get to to Minnesota in in October. So yeah, it's fair. I mean, Colorado does feel like um, even if it's not like a top twenty five team or, or they have don't necessarily have huge expectations, that does feel like a little bit of a statement game, doesn't it? Just in terms yeah. of the standing at the crossroads of kind of how good this team's going to be or, or kind of, is this going to be, is this going to be rocky or is this going to be smooth kind of rolling towards the, the, the first real tests, you know? So give me a score for Saturday. It's um three 30 on Saturday afternoon. And Scott Frost is walking off the field. 
Adrian Martinez is, has has had his pads off since the uh, beginning of the third quarter. What's uh, what, what's going to happen to South Alabama this week? Oh, so he oh, so Martinez is not he he's he's taking the second half off. It's that easy, huh? Well, that's do, that's my you, prediction. You covered right that game against Arkansas State a couple of years ago, did you not? Yeah, we've seen this before. <laughs> I don't think this is Troy or Arkansas State. I think uh, yeah, I well, think hey, this will be a I'll little tell easier. You, I'll tell you in a second. What's your what's yeah, your score? Yeah, I've got I'll, I'll say like 45-24. Um it, you know, if they can keep that in the 20s, I think on defense, I think you'd be relatively happy. You get a few takeaways. Um, you know, don't just have a lot of busts and mistakes. Um and then yeah, offensively, I feel like they they put it on pretty early and uh then then are able to get some young guys on the field there in the second half and you know, I think as I said, you know, earlier this week, like you just kind of want to try to come out of this one pretty healthy uh, for what they got next. So I'll say 45, 24, um, not a, just a massive blowout. Uh, you're feeling overall feeling pretty solid. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going a little more lopsided. Uh, I got 49, 13. So, okay. um, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a smooth day for Nebraska on offense. I, I, I don't see South Alabama putting up a ton of resistance to, uh, Martinez and his, and his troops on the offensive side. And I think the defense and the black shirts that they get off, they get off to a solid start, um, and uh, and there's not a lot to to complain about. I, I'm I'm sure it's game one. There are going to be some things that look a little bit disjointed, maybe in special teams, maybe with penalties. But um, right. I, I think by and large, you will have a happy head coach after after this game is is uh, comes to an end on on Saturday afternoon. So. Boy, we we really uh, we really did not do very much to preview uh, South Alabama on this podcast. We did not. We did not. You can get that <laughs> elsewhere. Um, the, the, they have the, uh, they have some players. They I have can't a running back, them, but they have some players. They have a running back. I was notified by a former head coach of Garden City Community College, who also happened to be the former head coach of Dedrick Mills. South mm-hmm. Alabama has a running back from that same pedigree who played at Garden City. So a good one okay. too. So uh, something to watch. Check the running back. That is that um, is like a real insider note there on, on South Alabama. I think I think that's what uh that's what people are looking for from this fine podcast. That's why they come to the sellouts. Um before we finish, <laughs> one thing I want to get to, I, I I teased a bonus item and we can talk more about this next week, but I got some data today that I want to share from StubHub, our friends at 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 StubHub on the the average ticket price for a game uh, for for a ticket that is is for sale uh, to Nebraska at Colorado next week, average ticket price is three hundred and nineteen dollars. This game is the number nine most in demand game of the season currently oh on that site. Seven hundred and sixty two tickets available. Cheapest ticket two hundred and thirty six dollars. Average price three nineteen. Thirty five percent of the buyers coming from Nebraska. Thirty percent from Colorado. Um, and I'm actually a little bit surprised that those those uh, percentages are not a little bit more weighted in the favor of uh, of Nebraskans. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we can get we can uh, we can get more into that next week. I think it's an interesting storyline to follow and how many people in red get into Folsom Field. There, there, yeah. Well, they kind of they kind of asked for this uh, storyline in, in in the summer, right? By uh, <laughs> by yeah, trying like to keep the uh, red out, keep the red out campaign, keep the red out. Yeah. So um, you know. Nebraska fans are uh, are certainly a resilient folk who, who are determined to fill that up and and but it's funny like I don't I mean is that fueled as much by the old you know by the old conference rivalry or or or, or not I, I don't know 
I yeah, I think some of it is they haven't played there in ten years, and and it's you know it's it's kind of an easy target. Uh, Colorado is in in that you're looking at a first year coach and a program that just doesn't have a ton of momentum right now. So no, but uh, a topic for for Monday for sure. So Max, you have a you have a request of our listeners that you would like to add before we finish. Yeah, to our uh, our fellow sellouts here. Um, you know, we want to hear from you. We want to do. Uh, a mailbag from time to time. We, you know, we want to have fun with this. So, um, you know, appreciate all of you who've subscribed and who've, who've listened so far, but please tweet us, um, tweet us, uh, and, and tell us, you know, what you want to hear from this podcast. We, we'd love your feedback and, um, are, are <laughs> absolutely, uh, you know, flexible on how we, we approach these. We, we want to have fun with them. So please, uh, let us know what you want to hear, uh, from this podcast. And, uh, you know, we, we look forward to, uh, adjusting and improving over time. We will respond. We will get back to you. If you tweeted us and tell us what you want to hear, we'll talk about it on the show starting next Monday. So that is a wrap for our second episode next weekend or next week. We will actually have football games, a football game to talk about, weather permitting, of course. Thanks for listening to this show. Be sure to subscribe, like our show, tell your friends about the sellouts. We'll be back on Monday working on Labor Day. Listen to that show exclusively on the Athletic app and website in the podcast sections or in the Nebraska football feed. And as a reminder, our Friday show every week is available for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.